This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 6, A Growing Movement. And let's start it off with some announcements. Our first announcement is something that we are super stoked by. We surpassed uh, a big milestone on Facebook. We have over 200 likes on our page. We've got some pretty cool stuff planned in celebration of that. So keep an eye on our Facebook page uh, to see what's going on. Also, if you haven't liked us, uh, join the community. We're over 200 strong like essential NPCs on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for all of your love and support. We love you back and we are definitely going to show it. Our second announcement uh, is that we have extra content coming out. Uh, Bonus episodes for Series 8, this series, are on the horizon. So uh, if you've ever wondered what we were like before Order 66, keep updating your feeds and we will have some great content for you soon. But that's all the announcements we have. So let's move on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 8, Episode 5, The Good Fight. In this episode, there's a lot of things that are tied up. And in between arcs, we thought instead of talking something, uh, talking about something specific that happened in the episode, we thought we'd talk about something a little bit more general to the system. And that is how to include Jedi in your campaign uh, without overpowering or overshadowing your other non-Force enhanced characters. So this is one of the main hurdles of the system. First off, uh, sometimes making a Jedi in general can be challenging. That's because uh, by design, the system presumes you're going to play during like the Age of Rebellion type uh, era where Jedi are not really fully trained, fully fledged uh, Jedi. They're more like force sensitives who maybe got their hands on a lightsaber and know and have learned how to manipulate the force a little bit. Uh, And because of that, when you're starting off making a character, Jedi, you usually feel like they're pretty weak compared to the Jedi they see in the movies. There's a way around this in the system, which uh, I usually recommend if you want to play a character that's actually more of a, a true Jedi. And that is in the Force and Destiny book, there's a section called Night Level Play. Uh, and that's to try and like give... It's kind of like starting characters a little bit higher level. Uh, They have more points available, and uh, that allows the Jedis to uh, purchase a couple more Force powers so that they can feel a little more like the traditional Jedi that you see in in the rest of the Star Wars media. However, this is a double-edged sword because the more powerful you make the Jedi, the more likely it is that they're going to be able to solve all of the problems that the party comes across. And that's one of the main complaints I've heard about this system is that Jedi are too powerful, Jedi steal the limelight, etc. Now, this campaign is uh, a bit Jedi-centric, but part of that is because we decided to kind of start it at Order 66 and tell like the story of like a couple surviving Jedi and their sympathizers trying to make a difference uh, in the early years of the Empire. Uh, so because of that, you know, we do actually uh, shine a lot of light on the Jedi in general. But 
not every campaign is going to be like that. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's going to be more of a smuggler campaign and, and maybe there's a force sensitive or a Jedi around. And the problem you can run into is the force powers are intentionally open-ended in their uses. Uh, they, they try to be very broad in what you can achieve with them. That way you have more narrative options and that can lead to a Jedi with like the influence power and the move power, just owning the entire game and being able to solve every single problem you run into with just a couple uses of the force. Uh, and that can make other players feel a little irrelevant. The conflict system built into force and destiny helps a lot with this. You can start really using that as a, as a means to uh, add risk to force uh, force powers and make it so that, you know, the Je the Jedi have to really contemplate, how much they want to use a force power to solve a problem. And I think the trick to managing that is to uh, discuss it with your players, uh, set expectations, talk about how, you know, your relationship with the force might change if you overuse it. Because one, uh, one of the main things about, uh, about being a Jedi is, you know, you, you, the force is your ally. It's not a tool that you, that you use. It is something that you call upon for aid. And if you talk with your force users, with your Jedi, uh, at the beginning of the campaign about how to have great powers, to have great responsibility, you can set those expectations, make sure they understand that like it's in everyone's best interest for them to be mind full of taking too much control or stealing the show from everyone else. Uh, and that isn't to say that you can't be a Jedi and be um, on par with everybody else. For instance, there are many builds uh, you could make uh, or your players could make that's like Jaxamar. Jaxamar is great at fighting and really not much else. So you could have like a Jedi that's basically akin to a barbarian or a street Sammy, or you can have somebody like Elkiri who definitely has like some very powerful force stuff going on, but she is limited because she's a Padawan. Um, and so she doesn't feel like she can do as much stuff because she's still learning. There are ways um, to add role play mechanics or or faults mechanically uh that can balance out balance that out a lot so uh while it can be scary um and you definitely want to uh, uh talk to your players about uh that are being jedi about jediing responsibly uh <laughs> once you have that out there uh you can help them build interesting characters uh so that maybe their their powers while very strong they aren't defined by that they have a character and that's something that we always try to encourage you to do anyway with all of your players uh is to play the character and that has the skills on the sheet um and i'd really encourage you to do that especially with jedi in the system I honestly don't think that Jedi pose a particular problem. Uh, I mean, I have two of them in this campaign, both of which are night level uh, uh, Jedi with a decent amount of force powers. And um, I think everyone still gets their due. Uh, so I think it's a, if everyone's just kind of aware of it, you know, you can avoid falling into that pit trap of Jedi becoming the Swiss army knife for every problem. <laughs> but I think we've talked enough about Jedi for now. Um, I'd like to know what your favorite part was. It might sound a little bit cruel at first, but my favorite part was Jaxamar's critical injury that he that he got. <laughs> um, hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, it ended up being this uh, this really cool arc. Uh, you know, he ended up with this leg that was like posing a problem, and then 
uh, and then he went on a solo stealth mission uh, to retrieve Sucra's new identity. And that leg kept increasing the difficulty of his tests and he kept just barely failing. So it felt like, you know, every time he rolled, it felt like that small increase was all it took to really shift the tide from him succeeding at at something that he's particularly good at uh, into failing. And so I kept explaining it narratively uh, as being a result of his injured leg being stiff and slowing him down and frustrating him. And it it had this fun little arc where like Jaxamar needed to lean on the support of his team. He needed the help of his team to get through that. And like he had to kind of come to terms with that. And it was just this fun narrative character moment that happened because of two random die rolls, you know, him rolling a despair and me rolling that number on the critical injury chart. Like it could have been a critical injury that had no effect at all, but because it was one that persisted, it informed Jaxamar's arc through the rest of the episode. And I don't know, it's just one example of many of this system kind of easily lending itself to very cinematic and narrative arcs. And, uh, that's what made it my favorite part. What about you? Well, mine is uh, a little less involved than that. I really like when Tan beats up on people. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I really enjoyed the whole, um, you know, Elkiri being like, hey, Tan, you want to get in a fight? And Tan being like, uh, yes. And Elkiri basically pointing her in the direction of a fight. Um, and I, I just, uh, I love Tan and, and I love uh, her whole, like, persona and i i really enjoyed that sort of like quintessential tan moment yeah it was kind of funny to uh have it be you're the one who got the alert that jacksmar was in trouble and you just sicked tan on them <laughs> you're like oh, i know the solution to this hey tan go beat up some dudes <laughs> uh, but we are now on a new planet the resort planet of tarvo and uh i'm really excited to see how your extraction attempt goes. Uh, so without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 8, Episode 6, A Growing Movement. Enjoy! I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master Lewitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials, diffusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, It falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Occipiter, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, But I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. 
And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now? Now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my M.O. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. Kiri Kanti, Padawan Learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we left the Exhibitor, it had just docked in the Sanctum Hotel docking bay on the luxury resort planet Tarvo. There, 
mission is to locate and extract a spy for the now disbanded Hydean Underground. Uh, the spy's name is Shamash Bell. He is a human who was sent here to investigate the rise of an abolitionist political movement on the planet of Tarvo. The four of you have landed in the docking bay. Elkiri, you have changed. Everyone's ready to go. What do you do? So we head to, I assume, the turbo lift from the hangar to the reception level. Yeah. The lift takes you to, uh, to the lobby. The lobby is mostly white with some silver and black accents and uh, circular crystallized uh, bulbs of light creating patterns on the roof above and they slowly move around uh, uh, bumping into each other, circling around each other and then separating from each other, almost being reminiscent of, uh, to you Oko, it almost seems reminiscent of organic cells merging and splitting. Fascinating. As soon as you uh, get off the lift, uh, a Tosh is standing there, about a solid head and a half taller than Jaxamar or Tan, broad shoulder, very muscular, uh, silver scales for skin, no hair. Uh, he has two uh, lower canines that protrude from his mouth, and his eyes are completely black. He is wearing a simple yet elegant uniform, and uh, he steps up uh, to you and goes, Hello and welcome to the Sanctum Hotel. Shall I send someone for your luggage? No, thank you. The droid will uh, pick it up later. Uh, as you wish. And he bows and steps, uh, uh, steps back, uh, allowing you to continue towards the front desk, uh, which is silver with uh, kind of this strange facade, like cascading molten silver above it that kind of drips down to make the, uh, the pillars between the roof of the front desk and the counter of the front desk. Uh, behind that uh, is another Tosh uh, in, in a similar uniform to the one you saw before. He smiles at you politely as you approach and uh, says, Hello and welcome to the Sanctum Hotel. How may I be of service? Yes, I have a reservation for Ayla Fess. Of course. One moment, please. And he uh, messes uh, uh, with a terminal behind the desk. And uh, his brow furrows, and uh, he looks at you uh, politely but subservient and says, My apologies, Miss Fess. I do not see your reservation here in our records. Could you look again? I'm sure it's there. And I'll uh, use the influence force power. Sure. Go ahead and roll. It is an average check. Uh, I have one success and one advantage. Okay. I'd like to use that advantage to negate the stress I just took for using a dark side point. Okay. Uh, yeah, you uh, you pull on the force, and in, you kind of have to f- force it onto this uh, this man more than you would expect. Um, but you're determined to uh, to succeed, so uh, you push through despite your. Uh, Despite Jedi training indicating that you should uh, you shouldn't force such a thing if it doesn't come naturally, uh, and he goes, "Of course, I'm sure it's there." And it should have been paid in advance. It is paid in advance. 
uh, and he presses a couple buttons uh, and uh, pulls out a uh, flat square electronic key card and reaches it out to you, uh, reaches out to you. The room to or the key to your room on the seventh floor. Thank you. Please let me know if there's anything else you need. I will. Thank you so much. And he he bows and then returns to his duties. Uh, what do you do? Uh, we're gonna head over to the turbo lift. You lost Doko a couple hundred feet back. They're still up looking at the cell lights on the ceiling. Yeah, you turn back and Oko is just kind of sitting in the middle of the lobby looking up at the lights moving around. Tan's going to walk over to them and put a hand on their shoulder. Oko. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, Master Tan. We, uh, we got to get going. Of course. You all right? The lights are entrancing. Sure. Okay. How much do you know about your microbiology? <laughs> Not enough to have this conversation right now. <laughs> As you wish. Uh, you guys all step onto the turbo lift and you move on up. Uh, it reaches the seventh floor uh, extremely quickly and opens up and you can easily find your room. There's only a few suites on this floor. Uh, and uh, you walk up to it, insert your uh, key in the door uh, and it slides right open. Uh, and you step into a rather large uh, suite with a little kitchenette, a uh, complimentary bar built into it. Uh, it has a, a nice, large uh, floor-to-ceiling uh, section of window with a half-circle balcony outside of it. Um, and actually, from this room, you can see the Emerald Vista Hotel in the distance. Uh, you walk in, and the lights turn on for you as you move around. I'd like to step out onto the balcony and just take a few minutes to survey the crowds along the ground in between here and Emerald Vista. And if anyone steps out onto balconies on the Emerald Vista facing us, I'll take note of who's there. Okay. Uh, you do. Uh, nothing too crazy. You do notice that many of the people moving around on the streets are not walking. They are instead sitting on the, on the backs of uh, vehicles that are piloted by uh, Tosh, uh, little open uh, vehicles, almost like carriages, uh, that the Toshes uh, pilot around. Uh, and the diversity here is wild because it's people from all over the galaxy. Um, everyone is dressed to the nines, uh, uh, moving around. The place screams luxury. There's gold accents on everything, fountains in every, uh, every roundabout, uh, beautiful statues. Um, you're able to, uh, from your room, uh, sort of see uh, a decent portion of the beautiful veil of forest uh, below the plateau. Uh, and you also see that the Emerald Vista is built right on the edge of the plateau and seems to have like a waterfall pouring out from, uh, from underneath it. Um, watching the Emerald Vista itself, you see some people uh, uh, having like drinks on their balconies, some people stepping out uh, just to survey the area, people of all walks of life. And the only people who don't seem to be just enjoying a life of luxury are the Tosh, who are manning doors, driving people around, uh, working, uh, cleaning the streets, working at shop fronts, etc. Um, and you do see the occasional tar um, though they actually seem rather rare in such open public spaces. Do I see any way to get from here to the Emerald Vista that would be somewhat covert? 
to to the best of uh, of your abilities from this vantage point, it seems like the the most covert entrance would be just to move along with the crowds, follow the natural current of the of the streets, um, and uh, enter it casually, hiding in plain sight. I will take note of how the crowds move for when we undoubtedly have to move through them. Okay. According to my observations, this is a view organics would enjoy, yes? Yes, it's quite beautiful. What makes it so? The nature here is incredible. To see how they've built the Emerald Vista to accommodate the waterfall and maintain the the natural structure of this place is amazing. And despite what maintains the infrastructure of this place, to see so many people in this galaxy moving among each other without any hint of violence or threat is nice for a change, though it's not without its darkness. And I I point out to the various Tosh who are serving the rich folk. Yes, there are so many forms of life, but these seem to have the, how do you say, short end of it. Indeed. While uh, Oko and Sorrel are out on the, the balcony, Tannel kick open the mini bar and rifle through. Yeah, it's not so much a mini bar. It's just it's like a decently stocked, like smallish bar, but well stocked with full bottles of uh, the finest Corellian liquor. Uh, actually, when you step up to the bar, um, a couple of the drawers automatically open gently and slide out to present you with a variety of different kinds of glasses. She will um, find the most expensive bottle of whiskey. Sure. And pull out her flask and <laughs> empty as much of the whiskey as she can into her flask and uh, take a couple swigs before closing it. Nice. Yeah, you do that. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so there's got to be an interface somewhere in this room, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The room is very uh, user-friendly, very intuitive. Uh, you can find a uh, hollow net interface very easily. Great. Well, I guess I will pull up the Traveler's Guide to Tarvo and see what kind of amenities are here for the patrons to utilize. Are you looking for anything in in particular? The list is vast. (laughs) Um, Transit, perhaps? Uh, Yes. Uh, You can very easily uh, arrange for uh, various types of transit, whether it be uh, transit to different cities, uh, transit... um, uh, to different buildings within the city, on ground, on air. Even hiring just a tour guide uh, is uh, is available. Um, all the way to hiring uh, an expedition leader who will take you out into the wild and uh, and take you on sort of like a safari kick. Okay. And then um, also maybe any sort of celebrations or like fireworks or parades or anything that might be going on. There's a significant amount of events. No one of them looks particularly larger or more special than the others. And it's like trying to like ask you for your preferences so it can narrow the field and give you suggestions, stuff like that. Um, this is, in fact, a planet-wide uh, resort with you know their own competing hotel companies within it, but uh, the entire planet is just a luxury resort from one pole to the next. So... You tell me if I have to flip a destiny point. Okay. Um, but I think that there's probably like at least a casino, if not like a stage show in the Emerald Vista uh, lobby. 
some some sort of event that we could potentially be going to? Uh, yeah, go ahead and flip a destiny point for that one. It's not a far-fetched idea, but for it to be happening right now, uh, as is convenient for you, uh, what would you like it to be? A charity casino. Uh, yeah, the lobby of the Emerald Vista has uh, is today, um, uh, for today and tomorrow only, uh, operating as a charity casino, completely revamped. Uh, you can see the before and after pictures. It almost looks like a completely new place. Uh, and uh, it's got all the games of chance that you can want um, uh, and easy access to the Emerald Vista's famous uh, cantina and waterborne cantina on the edge of the waterfall. Okay, so I'll point out that this might be a perfectly good excuse to head over there without being sort of like obvious. Excellent work. I agree. We head to the Emerald Vista. You guys hit the town. Uh, uh, as we leave the Sanctum Hotel, uh, I will commit a force dice to activate Seek to sure. upgrade all perception and vigilance checks once uh, until I cancel it. Okay. Having spent a little bit of time watching the natural flow of the street, you are able to quickly and easily uh, move your way uh, to the Emerald Vista. There are Tosh uh, driving those little carriage, those little hover carriages around. They don't proposition you to join, but they do like noticeably make themselves in a position to be available should you want them. Um, and, uh, you follow the crowd. There's lots of laughing and people, uh, uh, walking with, uh, glasses of champagne around the street. Uh, and you, uh, calmly make your way into the, uh, uh, to the Emerald Vista where what was already kind of a, a high energy, loud crowd gets even bigger as music blares. And, uh, you can hear people cheering and shouting as they're playing games of chance. The lobby itself is extravagantly designed with gold and black patterns on it on the sand-colored floor. Uh, there are red accents on the building and a, frankly, lavish teardrop chandelier on the uh, hanging from the center of the ceiling. Uh, the lobby is T-shaped, um, uh, being more narrow uh, in almost like a corridor-type fashion, still easily... 60 to 70 feet wide going uh, straight back and then it splits left and right. The wall at the opposite end of the lobby as you enter uh, is floor to ceiling windowed walls uh, that go up at least five stories and they give you a spectacular view of the lush waterfall cascading hundreds of feet down uh, into the vibrant forestscape of this area of Tarvo. The front desk is situated um just at the corner of that T-shaped break. And uh, between you and there are hundreds of, of tables uh, packed in while still being comfortably distanced from each other of different games of chance. Uh, nearest you is a, is a whole row of high-stakes sabak tables. All of the dealers at every table uh, are Tosh, wearing the same uniform, uh, and right by you at the entrance of the door, as you come through this large, wide, rotating door, uh, a Tosh steps up and says, Welcome to the Emerald Vista Hotel. Would you like to partake in the festivities, or would you like an escort to the front desk? We're here for the casino, thank you. As you wish. And he kind of bows and steps out of your way and allows you uh, full access to any of the tables you please. Captain Tan, look, a Keldor. They don't leave their homeworld very often. And a Wookiee, they are almost extinct because of the Empire. 
Yes, Oko. Uh, I understand your excitement, but this is perhaps neither the time nor the place. Of course. I uh, I glance around. Is anyone looking at us kind of strange? Uh, I assume all of you have relatively fancy clothes, so you definitely don't stand out horribly here. Uh, but Jaxmar and Tan, uh, your fancy dress doesn't quite match up to Elkiri's fancy dress, who invests a little bit more of her time into uh, uh, maintaining a good public figure. But uh, even still, you don't stand out horribly, because this is an area uh, full of wealthy, yes, but still tourists, and some of them are in more comfortable clothes than entirely formal clothes. And uh, as far as people who may have overheard your exchange with Oko, Tan, it doesn't seem like anyone's paying attention. For one thing, it's very loud in here, so it'd be hard for someone to eavesdrop unless they were very close. Uh, though the rotating door does start spinning as more people try to enter. I would like to um, make my way around the floor, not stop at any of the tables, but also not draw attention to myself for not stopping at any of the tables as I just take stock of everyone in the room. I don't think Shamash Bell is here, but we might get lucky. Uh, yeah, you can roll an average perception test. Uh, it will have one setback given the fact that this is a pretty crowded r- room. And as you get lower into, uh, as you step down from the rotating door, it kind of cuts your line of sight just a little bit. What are the rest of you doing? Uh, I'd like to look around for any sort of terminal or uh, port to a terminal that isn't the front desk that we could maybe get Oko over to. There's a terminal nearby the rotating door. Uh, and then there's a maintenance terminal, well hidden, but still noticeable, nearby the elevators to your left and to your right. Was there anything that was commonplace amongst the Hydean underground that we used? Any symbols? Anything to indicate that another person was a member? Uh, yeah. I mean, you guys helped make the organization, um, so you don't have to flip a destiny point or anything for that. That, that seems well within reason. Uh, what, what do you want the, uh, the passphrase to be? So the uh, instigator will ask uh, if they can help find a bar called the Dragon's Den. And uh, if the person's part of the underground, they respond with um, Onyx's place. It closed down months ago. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Uh, What did you get on your perception check, Jaxamar? One success and two threat. Uh, So you wander around um, trying not to draw attention to yourself. Uh, looking around, and you you don't see anyone who matches uh, Shamash Bell's description at any of the tables. Uh, and you stop for a second at that kind of T junction, looking to your left and your right. You do see to the right. Uh, there's uh, like it bends around to a cantina that gives uh, another vantage point on the waterfall below you. And to the left, there's uh, lifts that lead to uh, the floors above you um also just looking up and to uh, up and back a little bit you see that several of the lower leveled suites have like interior balconies that allow them to look uh look out that picturesque window um and while you're standing there kind of soaking it all up uh you hear a voice right nearby you uh you've been standing next to the front desk and the uh the tosh there says welcome to the emerald vista may i help you Apologies. I was struck by the view. Ah, it is magnificent. Would you be staying with us tonight, or are you here for simply the festivities? Uh, I'm here for the festivities. I'm actually supposed to meet a friend, but he's late as usual. I was wondering if you could, uh, if there's a way I could get a message to him. Uh, If he is staying here, I should be able to reach him. What is his name? His name is Shamash Bell. And should Mr. Bell be uh, 
staying in the hotel, what is the message you'd like me to send? My name is Rin Grassen. If you could tell him uh, that I've left and he can meet me at the Dragon's Den, that would be wonderful. Go ahead and roll deception to not draw suspicion here. Uh, it'll be an average check with one challenge die. That is one success and one despair. Of course, uh, as you wish. And uh, as he goes to mess with one of the terminals, uh, you hear calling from a table nearby, Rin! Rin, is that you? I turn around. And you see the face of none other than Pep Dantor, uh, who uh, has just uh, collected some of his winnings from a table, is handing them off to a Tosh servant nearby. Cash these in for me, will you? As you wish. And uh, the Tosh walks away. And he walks up and puts an arm around you like you guys are old friends. Uh, as he comes to approach, uh, I will say, Pep, what are you doing here? And I'll pull him into a big hug. And uh, he uh, uh, hugs you and then uh, keeps you uh, uh, with his arm uh, around and goes, Oh, I, uh, I visit the Emerald Vista whenever I get the chance. Uh, what a crazy coincidence seeing you here. We must catch up. Uh, are the rest of you, did you come alone? <laughs> he looks at you pointedly. <laughs> oh, you know the others. They're around somewhere. Ah, you should call them. Have, those, have them meet us. I was just going to the cantina for a drink. Please, let me buy you one. Of course. How could I refuse? And uh, with his arm still placed securely around you, he uh, leads you away. And you hear the Tosh at the uh, front desk saying, Hello, Mr. Bell. I have a friend of yours in the lobby. Uh, he wished to deliver a message. And you get led, led into the cantina. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of you would have to be particular. Uh, you have enough situational awareness as a team to like at least one of you, if not all of you noticed Jaxamar hugging Pep Dantor and being led to the cantina. I'll um, leave the Sabak table that I'm at and uh, follow nonchalantly into the cantina. Okay. Uh, so as Pep is leading me to the cantina, uh, as he tells me to call the rest of my friends, I'll hop on my comlink. You'll never guess who I ran into. It's our good friend, Pep. Uh, I just left word for our friend at the front desk, Tan, uh, if you'd like to meet him for me. Yes, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll wait for him by the elevators. Pep leads you, Jaxamar, towards um, a booth. He gestures to the bartender for a couple drinks. The bartender nods and begins working. Uh, he sits you down. Less, uh, he sits you down more than you sit yourself down. And then he uh, sits with his back to the bartender looking at you. And that like gleaming smile that he has, has fades away. And he goes, what the blast are you doing here? Pep, it almost seems like you're not happy to see me. He glances around and goes, I am enjoying a luxurious vacation. And the last people I want to see are the crew of you and your bloody Lancer. That hurts, Pep. You make such a point of pointing out what good friends we are whenever you talk to Alkiri. He grins and goes, my arrangement is with her, not you. Now, what's with this secrecy? Obviously, you're on one of your little crusades. I th would have thought the four of you would have packed up and, and laid low at this point. What with the attention you're drawing? You're bringing that to a place I quite like. 
a Tosh server comes by and delivers the two of you uh, identical uh, drinks in tall uh, uh, martini glasses with kind of a uh, pink rim and a red uh, a red hue to it. You know, I say as I take a long sip in my paws, not everything's about you, Pep. We didn't come here because you were here. That's what I'm afraid of. Wherever you go, there's trouble. Uh, El Elkiri, are you entering the cantina at this point, I assume? Yeah, timing's probably about right. Uh, Tan is well in position by the, uh, uh, by the lifts. Oko, uh, where are you? Despite some protests, I am with Captain Tan. <laughs> <laughs> Pep leans back, glances towards the entrance of the cantina, and sees Elkiri and goes, Ayla, darling! And he steps up and uh, walks over to you to kiss your hand. I was just catching up with Rin here. Please, have a seat. I got you a drink. And he slides his drink over towards you. You shouldn't have. He says, only the best for you, my dear. Uh, I was just inquiring as to what brought you to, uh, to this neck of the woods. I thought uh, you were too busy with your family business to come so far out into the outer rim, to a place with so many prying eyes. Oh, bad news, Pep, darling. See, the family business is all shut up. We're all through with that. We're on to new and bigger and better things. We're just here on a little excursion, and, and then we're going to go away and find someplace new to settle down. His, his smile not faltering, he leans in and goes, Enough play. What are you actually doing here? Not that I'm displeased to ever see your lovely face, but I do quite like viewing it from a distance. Does it make you uncomfortable to be this close, Pep? Honestly, yes. Whatever you're doing here, I don't want any part of it. But unfortunately, wherever you go, there's a chance it might splash back onto me. I believe your methods are a bit too loud for a place like Tarvo. They have very harsh penalties for violence on their planet. Bad for business, you see. Well, I have no plans for violence. And yet, wherever you go, there do seem to be complications. Oh, I'm touched that you've been keeping such close track. I keep an eye on all of my investments. Oh, you flatter me. We've got a client here who'd like to leave quietly. That's all we're here for. The lift... You're staking out Tan, opens up, and uh, Aduros walks out. His blue face and red eyes kind of turning towards you. He kind of marks you and keeps going. Uh, and also exiting the lift is a man who is without a doubt Shamash Bell. Uh, he's wearing a fashionable white suit uh, with a high collar and gold trim. His dark, wavy hair maintains its wavy texture, but is in a neat, tight bun uh, at the top of his head. And uh, he walks by, just giving you the slightest glance as he does, uh, and approaches the front desk. I will put my flask back in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the Duros gave you a dirty look. <laughs> and, uh, and I will walk over to the desk behind him uh, and just kind of gently put my hand on his arm. Uh, as you as you get there, he's questioning the Tosh there, um, who's saying, the man in question, in fact, went to the cantina there. Uh, no dragon's den that I know of, but... Uh, and then you come up 
uh, and put your hand on uh, on Shamash's shoulder, and he turns, looking at you, but still speaking to the Tosh behind the desk, and he goes, no, you wouldn't have heard of the Dragon's Den, uh, owned by a fellow named Onyx. I heard it closed down a few months ago, actually. Uh, thank you for your time, uh, he says to the Tosh. Uh, of course, sir. And the Tosh bows and makes himself scarce as he turns to you, and he goes, are you Rin? And he raises an eyebrow, kind of looking you up and down. Not quite, but a friend. Okay. To what do I owe the pleasure? We're actually here to, uh, to offer our services. Ah, well, in that case, I never talk business without a drink in my hand. Apparently, neither do you. How about we go to the cantina and meet with your friend? You know, Belle, I like you already. <laughs> uh, and he walks uh, uh, in a manner that can only be considered gracefully towards the uh, cantina. And um, Pep looks and sees Tan and Oko walking with, uh, with Shamash. And um, he turns back to you. Well, Elkiri, darling, when your lovely master's plan goes to hell like it usually does, please feel free to contact me. I'd love to continue working with you. And he stands up. As he stands up, I will lean in. Pep, I think it's lovely that you think I come up with the plans. <laughs> he doesn't have a quick retort for it, and he seems interested in walking away before whoever you guys are meeting sees him uh, clearly. And so he... Uh, he pulls his, uh, his arm away from you and walks off in a different direction uh, than Tan and Oko and Shamash are walking. Uh, and they reach you guys. Sh- uh, and Shamash looks at the four of you expectingly, uh, sit, uh, sits down at the table and uh, opens up a little hollow display that lets him order uh, a couple drinks for himself and Tan. Uh, I will extend a hand. My name is Rin Grassen. Uh, Shamash Bell, I presume? You assume correctly. And he shakes your hand. Rashala sent you? Yes. What news? Unfortunately, nothing good. And here I was, hoping that you were actually here to help, he says, glancing at Tan. We are here to help. We're going to save your hide, and we're going to make sure that whatever you build on this planet doesn't go to shit. What horrible consequence has befallen the Hydean underground now? The 77th Task Force. Ah, yes, I've heard of their activities. Quite the uh, public display of anti-piracy from the Empire. Well, as it turns out, anti-piracy means anti-Hydean underground. That does seem like a short leap to make in the eyes of the Empire. It's not just the 77th. It's the Reaper squad themselves. Ah, so the intrepid Rothella Kenton got a promotion then. Leading the task force, I presume. They are an unsavory lot, to be sure. And what, the four of you are here to spirit me away to some safe house to wait for the underground to get back on its feet? The underground is dead, Shamash. His uh, drink shows up. Thank you very much. You have a lovely day, he says to the Tosh. Uh, He takes the drink, hands uh, Tan a glass of straight whiskey, and sips his uh, iced tall glass drink, sets it down and goes, well... I appreciate the direness of the situation, and I'm saddened to hear of the Underground's plight. But I have a job to do here, and I'm not going to let anyone, least of all the Empire, stop me from doing it. Glad to hear it. That's how Rashala feels as well. She'd like us to extract you quietly. The storm cloud was compromised, and you were connected to it. I don't suppose your work here can be finished quickly. But maybe it can be finished by someone else. He uh, grins and, like, touches his nose uh, when Tan says that, and he goes, My thoughts exactly. 
The abolitionist movement has grown larger than we had expected, to the point where Magistrate Jaco is desperately consolidating wealth and power to maintain his position. The magistrate, who is the head of state for the entire planet, is partially beholden to a council of leaders called the Justicars. If all five Justicars find the magistrate's leadership to be detrimental to the continued growth of Tarvo, they can remove him from office and replace him with one of their own. Many of the Justicars are in fact either part of the abolitionist movement or at least sympathize with it. But Jaco is preventing unanimous opposition through bribes of many kinds. However, his coffers are drying up, which is why he's beginning to look for answers off-world. And thus, the situation is more complicated than you may realize. A key contributor to Jaco's wealth and power is in the legal breeding and trade of Tosh slaves. He's recently issued an edict, unprecedented in Tarvonian history, that will allow him to sell his slaves to outsiders. He is going to be hosting a fundraising event publicly for the capital's security development, but in truth, as an unofficial invitation for slavers from all over the galaxy to come and make their best offers for his business. Among the slaver scum is a representative of the Empire, Imperial Intelligent Agent Rafe Andromius. Now, I refuse to abandon this planet and allow it not only to continue its deplorable practices, but also to supply the Empire with a constant stream of slave labor. I'm happy to know that we can get along. I suggest we retire to my suite, and I'll share with you what else I know. Unless you have anything that can't be moved, I would suggest you join us at ours. There's no telling what the Empire knows about you after the Stormcloud's capture. That does, seem ra- uh, that does seem rather smart. I agree. I do have to go back to the suite regardless to collect some things. We can discuss our plan there and then move on. Unless you think I don't know how to make sure my room isn't bugged. I'm sure you're very capable. It's not bugs I'm worried about so much. Then obviously you've never been to Geonosis. And he stands up, uh, taking his drink, uh, and begins walking back towards the turbo lift, expecting the four of you to follow. We do. So uh, this booth that we've been talking in has been fairly secure um, because we've been pretty blatant about everything we've been saying. Uh, yes. Um, most of the business is actually in the lobby. Um, in fact, the some of the tables have drinks being delivered to them. So there's not a whole lot of people actually in the cantina. Um, uh, this can- So it's pretty scarcely populated, but the noise from the... Uh, from the casino event is echoing in, uh, which kind of drowns out most of your quiet chatter. Um, also, in addition to that, it seems the Tosh slaves are conditioned to remove themselves from a situation until you are uh, ready to request something of them. You three go ahead. Um, Sorrel, I just want to have a quick chat with Oko to make sure that everything's good as we try to keep things under wraps. Of course. Stay in touch. Uh, as we walk across the lobby, I would like to scan the crowd for Pep. You don't have to roll for it. He's gone. He's left the building. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Jack Smar and Elkiri, as you're following Shamash out of the cantina, he turns to the uh, uh, to the attendant at the front desk and goes, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, uh, two of my friends in there, that droid and, uh, and the lovely woman, are friends of mine. Please provide them with a key. They're going to be following me up to my suite shortly. As you wish, sir. And uh, he continues on to the turbo lift. 
and uh, accesses the turbo lift with the key to his room, and the three of you step on and begin moving up. Tan and uh, Oko, you guys are relatively alone in the cantina. Oko, um, I need to ask you a question, one that I need you not to repeat to Elkiri and Jaxamar. Understood. Do you have anything with you that would cause a, a natural seeming death? I have several substances that could kill if misapplied. However, only a neuroparalytic that would approach anything appearing natural. Okay, and you have it on hand? I do have it on hand, yes, and I believe, according to this destiny point, I have enough for one lethal dose. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go ahead and flip a destiny point, and, uh, and you will have enough of that neuroparalytic to uh, uh, achieve your intent, or whatever Tan's intended goals are. It's, it's really important that you don't tell Elkiri and Jaxmar. I know they're our friends, but they they aren't going to understand Oko. I, even if we make the the council see the Justicars, even if we make them see that Magistrate Jaco is is not who they should put in place to, to run this city, he's going to to find a way. He's going to keep propagating this, and we can't let that happen. Are you suggesting I assassinate a person. I'm suggesting that his life is worth a thousand times less than those he has enslaved. Every organic life is valuable, Master Tan. Not when they take the lives of others. I've been convinced to administer a lethal dose outside combat only once before. It is not a mistake I wish to repeat. Oko, this doesn't have to be on your shoulders. All I'm looking for is your help and your silence. As you wish, Captain Tan. I reach out my hand. I hand her all of my neuroparalytic. Cool. They hand you a concentrated dose of neuroparalytic uh, tan. Uh, it is in a simple syringe, not too unlike the ones you use to inject your recreational drug, Longsight. We, uh, we better get moving. Uh, as you pa- pass by the front desk, the Tosh uh, politely... Uh, without raising his hands or making any gestures towards you, uh, Madame, my apologies for the intrusion. Mr. Bell uh, requested that I give you a key to his suite. Thank you. And he hands you and he goes, of course, enjoy your stay. And he bows and makes himself scarce. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Elkiri and Jaxmar, you enter Shamash Bell's suite uh, it echoes the design of the lobby with small teardrop chandeliers lining the, sh- the ceiling. It consists of a massive lounge area, a fully stocked kitchen, and a panoramic window with a, uh, with a balcony that wraps all the way around in a horseshoe shape, allowing him to uh, see both the city and the rolling forests uh, off the cliff edge. He uh, moves in. And sits down uh, on one of the curved, sand-colored, comfortable couches uh, in the lounge and uh, takes a sip of his drink and gestures for the two of you to sit down as well. I sit. Uh, So do I. As I said, if the Justicars unanimously agree to take action, the Magistrate is replaced with one of their own. There are five Justicars, and only two of them are still accepting bribes from Jaco. There is Justicar Varal and Justicar Okia. We need to either turn them to our side somehow, 
or make it so Jaco can't afford to influence them anymore. I'm uncertain it's possible to turn either Varal or Okia through altruistic means. Though, depending on how low on funds Jaco truly is, sabotaging his meetings with the slavers might do the trick. I'm open to suggestions, of course. There's a moment of silence as you contemplate what he's saying, and the door opens up, and Tan and Oko uh, enter the suite. Sorry about that. You're just in time. Do you think the larger threat is Jaco's attempts at retribution once dethroned, or the Justicar council members' ability to be bribed? It strikes me that by crippling his ability to continue to bribe them, it cripples his ability to attempt to retake his power. I do believe that in his blind desire to retain power, Jaco has spread his resources far too thin to recover from any catastrophic changes to his finances. Meaning, in short, his ability to deliver retribution would be stymied by his lack of prestige and wealth. Then it seems the path towards lasting reform is to turn these Justicars to our side. Well, I've been spending the last six months establishing myself as a wealthy entrepreneur willing to invest in what Jaco considers to be property. I've allowed him to string me along so far with the intention of receiving preferential treatment during this fundraiser. I can get us into the door, and I can make the appropriate introductions. As of yet, I've been unable to find a suitable pressure point for Justicars, Okia, and Varal. Uh, they have been diligent in, the, in covering their tracks, and I've been busy ingratiating myself to Jaco. However, my primary contact and support here on the planet has been with the leader of the, of the abolitionist movement itself, Justicar Moshana. If we're able to turn the Justicars against Jaco, Moshana is all but guaranteed to take up the mantle of magistrate. She and she alone knows my true identity and purpose here on Tarvo. Present company excluded, of course. She doesn't know pressure points on these remaining magistrates, or you haven't had time to pursue them? She's looked into it, but there's no lost love between the Justicars at the time. Well, perhaps we can assist on that front. What I do know is Justicar Okia is a passive racist. Uh, she buys into the concept that the Tosh are, in fact, simply lesser creatures, incapable of, of the level of reasoning achievable by most races. Uh, she feels it is the duty of the Tar to protect the Tosh and allow them to do what they love to do, which, of course, is serving the Tar. As for Justicar Varal, my impression is that of greed. He runs multiple expedition companies on the planet. The safari trade is booming this season. And from what I can tell, the bottom line is what's most important to him. Thus his eagerness to accept a bribe. If Jaco cannot bribe Varal, do you believe he needs further influencing to turn to our side, or will he simply go with the flow? I do believe Varal's loyalty to Jaco is based solely on the weight of Jaco's purse. If we are able to prove or uh, if we are able to prove Jaco is, is no longer capable of paying a bribe or uh, if we are able to simply convince Varal of it, it could turn the tide. My take, based on what you've told us, is that if we cripple Jaco's finances, he's unable to 
seek retribution. He's no longer able to bribe Varal. And if we can change Okia's mind, then we have a unanimous Justicars. You said the fundraiser was in two days? Yes, that is correct. I think me and Oko, given two days, could certainly cripple a magistrate's finances. And I've seen firsthand Elkiri and Tan's persuasiveness. I have no doubts you two could change Okia's mind. Oko, Elkiri, Tan, that would make you Jaxima Sorel, yes? Yes. Ah, the crew of the intrepid Excipiter. Thunderbird, while we're here. He said Excipiter like as if it was like a poetic thing that he really liked. And then you say Thunderbird and he sits there for a second, like blinks and kind of sticks in his mouth for a second. He goes, quite. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good name for a ship. I mean, the Excipiter is a great name, though, right? I tend to agree with the captain on this one. Well, then I make myself indispensable to whatever plan it is you'd like to enact. Uh, I can make introductions for you. Lady Canty, Lady Mobok. Oh, please, just Tan. And whatever information I have or uh, assistance I can lend for you, Masters Sorel and Oko, uh, I would be happy to do so. I think what you can do for us is keep yourself safe. Well, who's to say that I'm any less safe here than you? I've heard of your exploits within the Hydean underground. Surely, if the Empire is dismantling it, they know a thing or two about you. You said you cross paths with Reaper Squad itself? They're not one to let a kill get out of their sights. I should hope not. I'd really love another shot at them. Uh, he finishes his drink, sets it down, and goes, This decor bores me. Show me your base of operations on this planet. And he stands up, um, moves to the hollow uh, uh, terminal in the center of the room, uh, pulls out a data chip, kneels down and messes with the electronics a little bit, and it shorts out and reboots. He stands back up, brushes himself off, uh, goes to one of the tables and uh, grabs a hanging bag of clothes and presses a couple buttons on a, uh, a large, um, secure-looking crate that hovers, and he guides it uh, towards the door. We take him back to our suite at the Sanctum. You do, and <laughs> when, you, when you get into the suite, he looks around and goes, Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Moves his, uh, his crate into one of the uh, guest rooms and uh, seems ready to assist you guys with whatever it is you'd like to do. So, where should we start? Well, do you have an address for Okia? Her address, yes, I do have that. Though, uh, to pay her a house call would probably raise suspicion. Her and I, while friendly, are, are not friends. Though she does love to spend a significant amount of her time at one of the sector-famous art galleries here in the capital. Perhaps if we were to go there, I could, uh, the three of us could bump into her and I could make an introduction. Great. I love contemporary arts. <laughs> I'll smile at Elkiri. <laughs> Elkiri? Yes? Would it be incredibly inconvenient for you to pass yourself off as an expansionist? Would I know what an expansionist is? You know, you were taken from Pantora at a very young age, and part of the Jedi training is, you know, to lose connection to, uh, to you know, your homeland and your, and your life before you became a Jedi. But uh, uh, the question is, how much have you kept tabs on Pantora, specifically after the Empire rose to power? Uh, because expansionist is specifically a political uh, movement within Pantora. Uh, within Pantora that has grown from the uh, advent of the Galactic Empire. I uh, 
don't know who my parents were or my family is because um, that was all destroyed when I lost access to the Jedi archives. But I did get the traditional, like, uh, Pantoran face markings that are basically, like, generic Pantoran because there aren't the Jedi anymore, and I'd rather belong to something than nothing. Okay. So you have kind of checked in on Pantora since uh, in the past three years. Yeah. Uh, in that case, uh, it's it's not really a huge secret for anyone who's actually watching Pantora, which happens to be very few people in the galaxy, um, because uh, Pantora was kind of cut off from the rest of the galaxy after the uh, Empire came to be. Uh, the Empire really had no interest in them and just kind of like marked territory around them and pretty much ignores them. So uh, because of this, uh, Pantora has kind of split into three political factions. Uh, there's the appeasers, uh, who believe that integrating with the empire is the only path to, uh, security and economic, uh, strength. And they are trying their best to strengthen the relationship between Pantora and the empire. Um, there's also the Republicans who are staunchly, uh, in opposition to the empire and would rather Pantora find its own way uh, whatever that means, uh, away from the Empire. And, cons- and they actually consider Pantora lucky to not be beholden to the Empire in any way. Uh, and then there's also uh, the expansionists, who are definitely the smallest in size as far as political strength goes. And their position is that the is that Pantora should forge treaties with uh, slaving and spice-trading worlds around them to in some ways, kind of go the same route as what the Republicans have been saying, but by allying themselves with practices that most Pantorans believe to be abhorrent, such as slavery and drugs. As far as politics goes, I can be whatever you need. Excellent. And as much as it pains me to suggest it, Lady Mobok, Tan. Thanks. Here on Tarvo, they might more easily believe that you are a handmaiden to someone as powerful and influential as a Pantoran expansionist than someone with any power influence of your own. Tan crosses her arms, but she nods. Note I said handmaiden, not servant. Of course. Also, it does give us the operational flexibility of them paying you little to no mind if the situation should require such a thing. I'll try to keep quiet. <laughs> she smirks. All right, then the three of us are off to the museum. You've spent your time here ingratiating yourself to the magister and learning the inner workings of his business, yes? Uh, yes. If you could point me and Oko towards the pressure points you've uncovered, that should be enough for us. There is one I was considering, uh, one avenue I was considering exploring. Uh, Magistrate Jaco's Slave trade is primarily managed, as far as a tar actually manages, by a, uh, a woman by the name of Karena Val. I am under the impression that she is unaware of how much of the business's funds Jaco has been removing uh, for his own personal investments. It is well within her right, by law on Tarvo, to break her agreement with Jaco should he be found truly guilty of malpractice. And I assume you don't have evidence of this, otherwise you wouldn't need our help. Correct. Okay. 
Uh, he lets you know where the breeding facility is located and how best to arrange a meeting with Karina Val should you want to meet her face to face. Simply drop my name. I've ingratiated myself to Jayco enough. I'm familiar with his business and I'm seen as a potential investor. Do you have suspicions as to where the evidence you've been seeking might be located? That could be a little more tricky. The magistrate has a private level all to himself uh, in the Capitol building not too far from here. If he is going to keep track of any of his records, I would imagine that's where he would do it. My ability to give you access to his private quarters uh, before the fundraiser would be quite limited. Uh, My name only carries so much rate as I am not a member of the government here. Not to worry. We know another influential businessman on this planet. Excellent. Additionally, there could it could be possible if you managed to get access into the accounting files of the business uh, that you could find evidence of numbers being tampered with. Uh, that's, of course, just a theory. I'm not 100% sure how he's covering his tracks. I think that's all we need for now, Mr. Bell. I think we should be on our way. After you. And he... Uh, allows you to leave first, and he follows you out. So uh, the five of you take the lift down to the lobby. Uh, as you exit, the Tosh by the door bows and and says, enjoy your day. We look forward to your return. And uh, you step out into the, uh, into the streets of Tarvo. Shamash gestures uh, to, uh, to a building that arcs over all the rest of them. Uh, it, it has a sleek white exterior, uh, it, and its base is, uh, is a large dome, uh, and its upper levels are split into three separate archways, uh, each one getting taller and slightly more bowed at the sides uh, to accommodate the one within. And uh, he points to the top, and he goes, uh, the top half of that outer arch is the... Tarvonian Legislative Penthouse. The upper level is where the magistrate calls home. Down that way, and he gives you directions, you'll find Jaco's breeding and trading facility. As for you two, he gestures to Tan and Elkiri. Follow me to the gallery. Uh, before we go, I'd like to use the, uh, the refresher. Uh, Tan? <laughs> go ahead. Sure. Go, go ahead. <laughs> Tan? You Do you need help? You don't want to come with me? Uh, Fine, I'll go by myself. Okay, I'll come. Okay, yeah. It's good handmade in practice. Come on. I didn't think we were starting now. <laughs> we have to keep up appearances, obviously. Do I lift like your dress? Thicker? Like, what do I don't under... Okay. Yeah, there is a uh, pretty extravagant... Uh, refresher in the uh, attached to the lobby of the Sanctum Hotel. Are we not at all concerned that this seems highly orchestrated, that it seems easy? And are we not concerned that these people are already taking bribes? What's to change? You mean when they're taking bribes from other people? Yes. I mean, this is step one, right? Step one is getting step one is getting Jayco out of office. And then once we've done that, we can figure out what to do from there. I don't. I don't know, Elkiri. I don't have a plan. I. We got here. We found. We found Bell, which is what we were supposed to do. And I don't want this movement to go down the gutter. And it seems like this is the best. He's. He's been here for months. He's made a plan. If we can help him do his plan, what's? Do you think this is a setup? You think? 
You think Bell's working for the 77th? I don't, I don't know. But we said we were going to be careful, and now we're just running in with a plan, trusting this person who may be the source of the Hydean Underground's whole demise, for all we know. I don't like being separated, and I don't like, like, when, when we're all together and we don't make a plan, then we don't have a plan, but we're together. Does that make sense? I'm worried. Elkiri, you're good at a lot of things, but there's one thing you're particularly good at, right? You know a liar when you see one? Do you believe yeah. Belle's a liar? Can, can I roll on my experiences with Shamash <laughs> Uh Yeah, you can roll uh, discipline. Um, to see if you can get a clear read on him. Uh, it will be a daunting opposed check uh, with three challenge dice. I'm going to flip a destiny point. Okay. Upgrading your pool. I fail with an advantage. Okay. Uh, you think back, trying to recall... Everything that's been said so far between uh, you and Shamash Bell, uh, the way he carries himself, uh, you can, without even having to roll, you know that he is an accomplished uh, social operator. Uh, his his body language is, um, is noticeably controlled, and uh, you can't quite tell whether you can trust him or not. Uh, you don't, you, you think... Everything lines up. Everything he said has lined up. Nothing at face value seems wrong. He seems earnest. He seems... Uh, you've, you've noticed him treating the servants with respect and, and care, uh, uh, which would imply that he is committed to the movement. His stance to hold his ground and continue his mission seemed earnest. But your advantage uh, leads you to the point where... You kind of play back everything in your head. It all seems right. Everything seems to check out. But as good as you are at reading people's body language and uh, and analyzing the way they uh, the way they phrase their sentences to determine whether they're lying or or telling the truth, um, you have another skill as well, and that is your connection to the force. And there's something that you can't shake. Something that's off about Shamash Bell. You don't know what it is, and you're unable to really quantify what that is. But there's some instinctual part of you that feels off about this whole thing. That's what led you to the point where you've been, uh, where you were suspicious to begin with. And upon reviewing everything, it's still there. You can't quite shake it. You think maybe you don't have the full picture, or he's not giving you the full picture. But it's like it's like a needle in the in the back of your spine, just keeping you on edge. I don't know if he's lying or not. It all is perfectly reasonable, but that's what you want it to look like, and I, I can't tell. Do you trust Roshala? Of course, but she's very far away and hasn't been in contact with him for a very long time. Maybe to save this cause, he gave up another one. The Hiding Underground couldn't handle all of these slaves if they were freed. Look, Elkiri, I think if you're not sure, we should f figure out a way to be sure. Uh, meanwhile, 
Jaxamar and uh, Oko, you guys have separated from Chamash, I assume, and are making your way towards uh, either the state house or Jayco's slave business? We are heading towards his business. Okay. Master Sorrel. Yes, Oko? Is Master Bell a Jedi? I don't believe so. I don't recognize him as one. I didn't know every Jedi, but... How has he afforded this world for months? Even without her mastery of the Force, I have no doubt Elkiri could have managed similar. The ability to convince and manipulate can allow someone access to quite a bit without having funds. That seems improbable, but perhaps you have more experience than I. I'm not without my doubts, Oko, but... Everything he said has added up. He seems earnest in his desire to reform this society. His heart rate does stay regular. That does not surprise me. You guys continue down the way, turning around a corner, and you see before you the most luxurious and extravagant factory you can imagine. Elkiri and Tan, you return to the street to rejoin Shamash. He uh, gestures politely uh, for you to accompany him, and you begin walking towards the Tarvonian gallery. And that is where we'll end this session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company. Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries or sister companies or any Star Wars license holder and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced in Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.